Hello again. Welcome to our fourth installment of Serial Podcast on Lung Cancer Screening. We're excited to have you join Drs. Wiener Rivera and me, Chris Slator, in our discussion. Today, we're going to talk about setting up registries to help track patients for screening and nodule management. The idea of a registry is simple, but making it work for you can definitely be challenging. Let's get to it. Patricia, I'll start with you. Briefly describe how your registry works. Um, and if you can, like, let us know how, if and how it's integrated into your um, electronic medical rec- record system and you know, radiology software. And let us know, you know who runs it and do you do any sort of data monitoring for quality improvement or quality assurance. Sure. Um, we uh, developed our own internal um, lung cancer screening registry um, with an R21 grant uh, that we were awarded about uh well, it'll be two years in January. Um, the um, registry um, was developed by an epidemiolo- epidemiologist, <laughs> whoa, uh, epidemiologist at UNC <laughs> who has um, a significant experience with uh, the, bre- the, the North Carolina Breast Cancer Registry. Um, and we have a research team that has been working on it, and it incorporated, uh, of course, pulmonary radiology pathology and surgical um, uh, input. Um, The registry is um, uh, up and running. We uh, consent patients, so I obtain consent. It's a two-page questionnaire that patients have to answer, just check boxes, and then they sign consent in order to um, have their uh, data then be incorporated into the registry. Um, It does not yet... um, uh, interface with uh, EPIC, but that's currently what we're working on, and we are developing a system to interface with uh, prompts for um, to, to identify patients who um, are getting CT scans that are ordered not by pulmonologists or uh, from the screening clinic so that we can try to outreach to those patients and try to get consent um, to, for their data to be incorporated into the registry. Um, we're thinking about ways of having the consent form in radiology, very similar to mammography where the patient signs in and they fill out the little form they sign, and then um, they're enrolled in the registry. Because right now it can only – enrollment happens if I get consent. The internal medicine physicians have found that it's just, you know, it takes too long to have them fill out the form and get consent. So we're we're not capturing as many patients as we would like. We're currently working with our IRB to get approval to um, uh, retroactively get data from patients who have been screened, who have not um, signed consent, and figure out a way to get them to to um, to discuss uh, enrollment in the registry. Um, and our goal is that this will be the registry that will be used throughout North Carolina. So we're trying to get it out to other uh, programs that currently don't have their own uh, registry. And does the Um, registry do the job of finding the results of the CAT scans or helping to track uh, nodule follow-up and that sort of thing? Yes. So we have have a system in EPIC where we are keeping track of all the patients um, that have been enrolled in screening and the results uh, based on lung rads and when follow-ups are due. we have uh, a system of um, discussion patients who have lung rats three findings. Um, anyone with a lung rats four finding is referred to the multidisciplinary uh, lung cancer clinic. Lung rats three, 
uh, is a tumor board discussion between the, part, the members of the screening program, which are a surgeon, a radiologist, and myself, the pulmonologist. Um, and then the registry uh, is also uh, keeping track of findings um, when, patients is due, when the patient is due for um, repeat scan, who's following that patient. Um, et cetera. Uh, and we look, fortunately, because we have funding, we have a whole team that has been assigned to this project. Um, we're in the process of applying for another grant so that we can um, continue <laughs> the funding so that we can keep this little army of people that we need in order to uh, gather um, this data and keep track of it. Yeah. Brenda, what about you? So our process, unfortunately, is not nearly as sophisticated as what Patricia described. We also have a locally developed <clears throat> database, but it was done, um, I think, on a much lower budget basis um, and doesn't have all of the functionality. So there's, um, it's unfortunately not linked to the ele electronic medical record. So that's something that's done manually by the um, screening coordinator. We have actually... Um, two different coordinators that work with the uh, with the registry to keep it up to date. Um, but it is, uh, you know, I think that's something that's going to evolve, um, you know, I hope, and improve with time. Um, we would like to integrate it with the electronic medical record to make it a little bit more automated. Yeah. Well, I think but they're we commercially, yeah. Well, I think they're commercially mm -hmm. available registries that I've heard about. Um, I haven't mm -hmm. seen any in action, and I'm just, you know, curious if you've, um, like, looked at any of those without sort of naming any by name, but sort of maybe to help our listeners identify, uh, you know, things that they're thinking about starting a registry, things that they would want to incorporate uh, into their own registry. Uh, no, uh, Patricia, we, maybe you can we modeled, start since you sort we of, modeled yeah. ours after the breast um, lung can excuse me the breast can uh, cancer screening registry. We did not model it after any commercially available registry, but fortunately we had uh, someone with a lot of experience developing um, and wor uh, the breast cancer registry um, for and working on it for the last ten years. So it it made it easier for us to to develop our own internal registry, but it is, um, uh, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of money and yeah. we struggled. Um, I think we applied for three grants and were turned down before we were awarded the R21. So it was, we started the process in um, 2010 um, and were finally awarded the grant in 2013. Um okay. So uh, yeah, um, and we we actually started working on it before we had the money just in, internally, and then got the funding January 2013, and then just you know literally met every two weeks and worked on on this until we completed it. Uh, but now we are struggling with funds to help maintain the staff that we have, which is three coordinators. Um, so that we can uh, keep it running, of course. Um, and again, you know, p getting patients, what, what I'm trying to figure out is how to get patients who are being screened by internists, family practitioners, anyone, um, enroll in the registry because I think having that data 10, 20 years from now is critical. Um, and that's what I'm struggling with because 
sometimes it's a two-page questionnaire, and they may seem like simple questions, but it's surprising how sometimes you have to sit down with the patient and say, no, no, you know, your family, your history, not your mother's, you know, it's, they get confused. Mm. Um, yeah. But it's, um, you know, between that and then getting blood and getting consent for blood and, and shared decision-making, it's... Yeah. And smoking cessation. It's, uh, it's oh gosh, well that's going to be our next topic. So don't, yeah, we'll lead into that. <laughs> yeah, Rinda, are there and any? Have, have you looked at? Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted you. You, yeah. you asked about reminders. So we uh, now we now have a best pra- practice alert um, as part of our Hickey project with shared decision making. So we have that in Epic, and it will have annual reminders um, for for screening. So, for, so tell me how that works. So a primary care or a patient goes to see their primary care clinician and this reminder right. pops up it's in Epic that they talk about lung cancer screening or how does it work? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it comes up just like the, the you know, pneumococcal vaccine, obesity, tobacco, mm-hmm. and okay. influenza best practice alert. Um, mm-hmm. And you have to either accept or decline um, so that if a patient, so it identifies patients according to their smoking history. Obviously, that has to be correct and epic, which is a challenge, but it will alert the physician at the time of the visit, you know, this patient, you know, screening may be due. Now, it may be someone who's decided not to be screened or someone who has severe comorbidities. You can decline the screen, but it will prompt um, physicians um about lung cancer screening. Hmm. And does your registry keep track of those? Is that is that, is that part of the electronic medical record integrated into your registry also? Yes. That's, so the registry right now is not linked to um, EPIC. That's what we're working on. Um, hmm. But that will be the goal, that we can keep track of who enrolled in screening. Are they coming back for their annual screen? More importantly, were nodules detected that were followed appropriately? Because um, I think for me that's the the more concerning issue. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's a well, lot of registered. work. Yeah. No. Yeah. We've yeah we've uh, developed. We're worked on both a local registry here and then worked with our national VA uh, uh, counterparts to work on registries, and it is it is very challenging. That is for sure. And Rand, I'm just you know wondering if you have you thought about purchasing a, a product, or if you did, you know, what, what sort of features are you most uh, excited about? You know, we did not think about uh, purchasing a project, um, but I think that that would be an option that would be worth exploring for um, sites that don't have the resources to develop their own uh, registry. Um, in terms of what features to look for, uh you know, I don't really know, actually, because I haven't looked extensively at what's out there, you know, what the differences between different options would be. But, I mean, certainly it would need to be able to collect the minimum data that needs to be reported to CMS. Um, otherwise, I don't. I actually feel like I can't really comment on, um, you know, the, the different bells and whistles that are out there in the commercially available products. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. That's good. And I guess uh, I think Patricia, did your um, I assume your registry incorporates all the elements that the um, that CMS wants? Yes, all the elements. Um, lots of elements. <laughs> I mean, <it's>, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was a detailed clinical um, 
history, um, radiologic data, pathologic uh, data, and um, and then the NLST. Uh, the, excuse me, the the lung rads. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty. Wow. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I think you need. I mean, there's no way that a clinician would be able to just have the time to sit there and populate this. Um, you do need coordinators that dedicate their time to populating these registries. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's very interesting. Well, I think another uh, area where all of us are going to have to do a lot of work to figure out how to how to maintain these registries and, and, mm-hmm. and how to make them best serve our purposes. Yeah, you know, actually, sorry, Chris, actually, I just wanted to circle back to something that you, a question that you mentioned, I think, at the very beginning of this, um, that I don't know that we've touched on. But I would say, you know, I think there are a lot of challenges with figuring out, um, you know, how to get the registry set up, who's going to maintain it, what elements it should include, and all of those issues we've been discovering, but, or or discussing, rather, but the... um, the good thing I would say about registries um, is they can be very useful um, for monitoring and improving quality of the screening process. So, you know, for example, with our uh, registry, we've been reviewing the data quarterly on, um, you know, uh, at our steering committee meetings, and each time we focus on a different element. So, you know, for example, at, we just had a steering committee meeting yesterday for the lung cancer screening program, and we were focusing on, you know, eligibility. So reviewing the data from the registry, you know, which patients, uh, what proportion of our patients were meeting eligibility criteria, and that's how we identified the problem with um, symptomatic patients being referred for a screening test and, you know, came up with an um, intervention that we're going to do to correct that um, but I think it it is important to um, to be able to track uh, the quality of the screening process and make sure that the benefits are outweighing the harms. Yeah, I would 110% agree. Thanks again for listening to our podcast today. Hopefully you found this conversation valuable and informative at guiding your own efforts to establish a lung cancer screening registry. Next time, you'll hear us discuss how smoking cessation efforts fit into lung cancer screening If screening is going to be successful, it's critical that patients who are still smoking get the message and the help to quit smoking. Though we all acknowledge that can be very hard, as you'll hear Dr. Rivera say, Smoking cessation counselors' approach to it has really taught me a great deal, Um, and and it really is much more of a a counseling and engaging the patient in the the discussion than a lecture about the importance of, of quitting. Until next time.